Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Triple Play Fantasy's Basketball Show with Doc, Coach, and Brass Dadamas starts now. Triple Play, we're making a triple plays. This is the Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Show, proud member of Empire Media, hosting Coach James Lewis, that's myself, getting married in two weeks, people. The countdown has begun. We are again joined by the squad of two men living completely different lives, but still loving the game of basketball. <laughs> Varsity head coach and summer school teacher, Kevin Coleman. You can find him at Boys underscore 22. What's up, Kev? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk a little basketball. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking at Eric right now in this in this thing of like me like 10 years ago. Like that was me. So he he has a bright future ahead of him as long as he can just follow my path. And you heard it. We introed him in. Eric, the Dr. Mendelssohn, master of co-ed <clears throat> kickball. What's up, I just think Kevin's life is boring now. Like he has kids. He has a job. Like he lives – on, oh, on his structure, Friday, structure, structure. On, 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 on his Friday night, you know, he gets he gets dinner with his daughter, and that's really cute. But like his days of live of his wild like times are over. He's living vicariously through me, and that's fine. Man, I love this pod. It gets me in touch with uh, <laughs> just the things that we really do appreciate in life. So uh, we can all learn from each other. In today's Triple Play Fantasy Basketball Podcast, we argue about the Eastern and Western Conference champion picks. Cardiac Kimba finds a new home in Oklahoma City. Coaches having a lot of uh, mutual agreements, um, like Rick Carlisle, Scotty Brooks, Stan Van Gundy, just to name a few, that are going to different places. And um, some people getting uh, getting their own chance. Emmy Adoka. Hall of Fame point guard Jason Kidd and uh, should-be Hall of Fame point guard Chauncey Billups. I mean, if they're letting uh, Tony Kukoc in, let's get our guy uh, Chauncey Billups in. Like, what is up with that? I want to hear you guys take. Some of these foreign-born players, I don't know if they necessarily deserve the nod. Uh, We got uh, Marshall Onis and now Tony Kukoc. Uh, They were, you know, all right when they were in the NBA, but nothing screamed like – Hall of Famer. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> Am I going I mean, too harsh on the foreign boards? I mean, you got to have equality. You can't just have the Hall of Fame be of like <laughs> U.S. born players. Like you, they're they're. I mean, we're seeing more and more uh, international players, but you have to reward the people that played before, even if they didn't put up the stats, just because of the impact they have on the game and kind of being pioneers for future players. 
I mean, I will say the Basketball Hall of Fame is the most overrated Hall of Fame in sports. Uh, everybody can get into that thing. It feels like like if all you, is really good. If you, I mean, yeah, if you get a silver medal in the Olympics in 1998, like you have a shot. Like there is not like a high bar <laughs> of, of like basketball. But I, I agree. Like I agree with Eric, I guess. But I will say it's it's overrated. Like you know anyway. what? We're we're less than four minutes in, and Kevin already has his first boomer. <laughs> take well, that's not a boomer take that is a legit take. everybody everybody gets into the hall of fame like you could you could average two points a game for 10 seasons in a row you make it that's what you sound like okay you know what <laughs> you guys talk because i'm gonna look at the worst player in the nba hall of fame right now and i i, I guarantee you uh it's it, it, uh, god like like come on don't don't say we adrian make- dantley uh, we make a bar for like, I, well, at least I I can kind of see an imaginary bar of like, okay, this is bad. Like Mitch Richmond to me, he made the Hall of Fame, and I was like, yeah, he was he was really good. He was good, but what like at what point was he even a, like a top ten player in the NBA? I know he played defense both ends, but I mean the guy never won a championship. He never was a major piece of that puzzle. Um, it. And then now with Tony Kukoc, my whole mind is like blown. The guy didn't even start on his three championship teams. Uh, he averaged like what thirteen points a game. Like, <clears throat> you know, good player and all. Uh, anyways, I mean, we digress. Is it Vladdy in the hall? Of yeah, Vladdy's in the hall too. Yeah, like I said, right Marsha Lonis for the for the he played for the uh, for the Warriors where Mitch Richmond was on as well, and he was a bench player, and he was just like, yeah, all right, trash. Yeah, basically is what I'm saying. It's like, well, come on. Let's be fair about things. All right. Um, Our first offseason trade was made. Kimball Walker in the number 16 pick. Yes, Oklahoma City got another first-round pick. So that totals 18 in the next five years for Al Horford, who returns back to Boston, and Moses Brown in the second rounder. Eric, what's your thoughts on this trade? Winners of the trade and uh, implications for both teams. So I think it's very interesting that Al Horford goes back to Boston, and I know it's to match salary, but when they tried getting Drew Holiday to replace Kemba, that basically signaled the end of that. And as much as I hate Boston giving up a first-round pick, if they really think that they can have a shot of contention with Tatum and Brown, then you can't have Kemba be the third option. He's just inconsistent at this point in his career. Injuries are starting to catch up. It seems like all he does is shoot nine threes a game. He's not the facilitator we thought he was. So I think Moses Brown has some upside. They probably weren't going to use that pick anyway. I mean, this is Brad Stevens' first move as a GM, so maybe this is a sign of more things to come. I think the winner, once again, is Oklahoma City in the short run, but we have to see what they do with those picks. Just because you have 18 in the next five years doesn't mean that you're going to hit on them. Kev? Absolutely. Yeah, no, he's right. I mean, that's that's so many picks. And even if you do hit on a couple, like you're so youth, uh, your team, the, we, we've looked at this like this is like super trust the process now. Like we've gotten into like way more trust the process on this one. I don't mind a trade. I, I don't think that Kimba signing was a failure, though. I've been seeing that around a lot. I think he just couldn't stay healthy. I guess you could counter that as saying, well, that is a failure. But that's not really either party's fault. I mean, they they did what they had to do. Uh, you saw them last year. I mean, the Celtics made it as we as we watched last year. They probably made, should have made the finals in the bubble. Uh, they were good. And so, you know, I, I just think that they need to make this move. Uh, but it would be interesting to see how the Celtics kind of rebuild with that, with the cap space that they have or not have and, like, that dynamic. Can Brown and Tatum 
coexist together. There's a lot of things that they're going to have to answer, a lot of questions. And I would probably trade one of those, but I know they're probably not going to. And I like the trade for both uh, for both parties. Um, Doc's right, though. Like, they got to hit on these picks. They got unlucky this year in, in, with the lottery balls dropping. But uh, the future is Jalen Brown and Jason Stadium. And Kimba not knowing if he's there or not. I mean, you know, perennial all-star for a couple years there is like you got that in your back mind. Like, is he, is he going to come in? And just it just wasn't the greatest of fits. Uh, the injuries were unlucky. One reason I like him going to Oklahoma City is they're in the tanking business and they will shut him down. Like he's there's not going to be the force to like, all right, come back into the lineup. Well, we need you for the playoffs. They're just going to sit him down for the whole year. See what see what happens in 2023. Maybe um, Boston. I like the move because one Al Horford is a is a good fit with this team. Um, he can really stretch the, the floor. He's a veteran presence. He was playing really good basketball for Oklahoma City. I'm on fantasy my fantasy team, and he was putting up big numbers. So he can still play. He does take care of his body, and he's one of the best professionals that we have. His contract has less years on it than Kimba, so I think they're just trying to free up some money. So that way they can address um, some free agency going forward. So they're getting ahead of the curve. I think um, Kimba's deal has three years on it. I think uh, Horford's has one. Uh, I, all I know is it, it has less years, and, and it should open up the banks a little bit. And that's why I like uh, the trade for both people. And who knows, the Thunder's probably going to get some foreigner that we don't know about at pick 18. And it may work out. Who knows? He'll so, make the uh, Hall of Fame. And, and if he averages 11 – for three seasons, he'll make the haul. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right. Um, let's talk about the, I guess, the most hot, the hottest topic in the playoffs, and that is Kevin Durant and Scottie Pippen are beefing. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about whose side you're taking, uh, Scottie Pippen, just to go over some of the quotes. Has he, this is on Kevin Durant, has he surpassed, surpassed LeBron? Nah. He tried to beat the Milwaukee Bucks instead of utilizing his team. LeBron James would have figured out how to beat them. KD is a shooter, a scorer, but he doesn't have what LeBron has. KD in return. Didn't the great Scottie Pippen refuse to go in for the game for the last second shot because he was in his feelings. His coach drew up a play for a better shooter. All right. Who you got? Um, Kev, whose side are you on? I mean, Kevin Durant won with that last quote because I think that's hilarious. I mean, there's nothing Scottie Pippen can say. Like, there's nothing he can do about that. Like, when we talk about, um, hey, you didn't go in the game. Everybody saw it, especially last year with the documentary about Jordan and the Bulls. Like, everybody kind of – it blew it up again. Um, but I will say, Kevin Durant is uh, the millennial athlete. Like, he he gets in his feelings a lot. He responds a lot on Twitter. He – he, he is an interesting athlete to guy cover as a psychology teacher. It's interesting to watch him and, and like how he kind of persuades himself because he doesn't care what people think, but he also cares what people think. Like it's a weird dynamic with him. Jalen Rose called him the people's champ. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that people hate him too. Um, yeah. Jalen, go get 81 put on you by Kobe again. I, I just think that, uh, I, I think that <laughs> that's so unnecessary. <laughs> I, I don't like Jalen Rose, uh, but I will say, oh, you know, I, I think that, I think that Kevin Durant has some issues and I think he's, I think he's, I think he's in his feelings too, because people are always going to say that he couldn't win those rings without the help that he had. And with Golden State, what he did, like, I think that that's going to be a constant thing in him. And I think with these kids and these athletes and kind of where they're at right now, I think they care about that kind of stuff. But KD won this argument with that quote. 
I think I think Scotty Pippen is a little bit out of touch. Some of the things that he says is wild. I, I know Paul Pierce kind of does the same thing and like, okay, yeah, you're Hall of Famers and you're great players, but sometimes they're just they just seem out of touch with things. And I, I'm curious to hear Doc's take who you who you got. I mean, they're both right. Like Scotty Pippen is right that I, I think I mean, as great as Kevin Durant is, he's never been the Batman on a winning team. He's always been a Robin or, you know, one B to you know, Steph Curry's 1A. Same with Scottie Pippen. You know, he was the Robin to Mike, to MJ's Batman. But, I mean, KD did end him. I just think it's funny. Like, I'm not a LeBron fan as a player, but he gets so much, like, flack from the media, and he's a really good human being. But I feel like we don't criticize Kevin Durant nearly as much as we should. Like, he has burner accounts. He literally, like, anybody, anytime anybody insults him, we'll go back, like, that's not really a good role model. Like it, it's it's something where we find entertaining, but for people that like look up to him and it's like, oh, I don't know how to take criticism. You know, I, I'm a top athlete in the world. You know, he could just be the bigger person and not say anything. He always feels the need to clap back. He did win this argument, but I just think like, once again, this looks really bad for Katie. Like literally last month, he's telling Michael Rapoport that oh he's going to like, that he's going to bang his wife in front of him. Like that's, he just needs to stop because I think this is gonna this is gonna hurt his image. He's gonna do something really bad one day that's gonna be really tough to recover from. And he doesn't care. And really, like we can all see it that he is the second best player in the world. I mean, you guys can argue whatever you want, but I mean, LeBron James is still like you know the reigning Finals MVP. And after that Game Five performance to me, which was probably Kevin Durant's greatest performance to date, um, everyone was ready to give him the crown and say he is our best player in the league. Then, you know, two games later, they lose game six. They lose game seven on their home court. And um, Kevin Durant airballs at the buzzer. He goes 0 for 6 in the overtime period, which, I mean, he was spectacular. I mean, he had 48 points. He was, he was amazing. But when it when it counted, he didn't do it. Um, so I, don't, I think with that we need to take a step back as far as rewarding him that until he does get back into the championship, win one. And um, with the Nets, it's going to be a different situation. He was the best player on that Warriors team. I know it was Steph Curry's team, and he walked into a 73-win team, but he was really, really damn good. He, he's just – it's hard to judge his legacy because I th- we think of him – or at least I think of him as like potentially this is a top 10 player of all time, and he could even be higher. Um, but it's hard to kind of rate it because he, he went to the Warriors and, and he – he didn't just stick with OKC, and it's it, he, now he's on his super team. He's got to win more. He's also got the injuries. Um, but Team USA, he just loves basketball. He's going to get back out there, and I think he's going to lead Team USA to a gold, and that's going to be another feather on the cap. So it's interesting, but uh, yeah, dude, grow up. Like you don't need to get in a fight with every single person and going back and forth with with Scottie Pippen. I bet he's in the DMs like, oh, w- what happened with your wife? I, I'm, I guarantee uh, KD is doing some undercover. Um, Bamanist, but uh, we're gonna move on and um, get past the appetizer and get straight to the medium rare porterhouse that is NBA conference championship playoff talks. Who you got? Uh, we're mid, we're we're, we're kind of in between um, the games, and we're gonna start with the Western Conference. And the four seated Clippers are playing the two seated Suns. Suns take game one behind Devin Booker's 40 point triple double. Gets saved by uh, Paul George. Two missed free throws leading to DeAndre Ayton's Valley Oop in game two. And the BG, PG-13 takes over uh, game three, dominates at home with a, uh, a masked D-book, uh, a rusty CP3. 
who you guys got and what do you think about uh how this series is playing out where's thought with kev yeah, I, I think that it just comes down to can CP3 kind of get that rust off uh, after the COVID stuff and Booker come back from that face injury. And I still think the Suns are the favorites uh, because I just don't trust Paul George. So I'm going to continue to not trust Paul George. I'm going to go with that. Uh, but I, I do want to shout out that Patrick Beverly is a pain in the ass. Like I, if if I played against Patrick Beverly, I might beat his ass on the court. Like he drives me nuts when I watch him play. He has no physical basketball skill. All that dude does is just hound people and just as a nuisance. And he drives me nuts. The Clippers are my least favorite team left in this playoffs, so I want to see them lose. Me too. Doc? I have the Suns in six. First of all, they have home court advantage. They don't look like they can be beat at home. Like, I know it came down to the final possession game too, but they were dominating for most of that game. Paul George got extremely hot, uh, and the, the Suns had a little bit of a mental meltdown. Can I just say that I hate technology and instant replay? Like the last, yeah. the last minute of the game, and, and I, I probably sound like Kevin saying this, the last minute of the game took Boomer. 10 minutes. Yeah, it took 10 <laughs> minutes. And if you think about it, like them looking at the instant replay gave the Suns the opportunity to draw yeah. that play. Free timeout. Yeah, it's a free timeout. And it's just like, that's literally the difference between the Clippers winning the game and then losing it on that last second. Uh, obviously, if Paul George hits his free throws, it's a different story, but we're going off the narrative of, of the instant replay, even though D book is, is masked and CP three is rusty. Once again, there, I think they just have so much depth. They play with so much energy. It's just going to be really tough to beat them. They're already up two one. I think if they can steal a game in LA, it'll be over. Yeah. And I think you picked uh, the, the game to, that they're going to steal is uh game six. Cause it would be on the road. Um, I, it's crazy. The Clippers, um, have been masters at the adjustments and you got to tip your hat to the um, coach Lou on that. They they've lost the first two games of all three of these um, matchups that they've had so far. And um, they've come back and they've won all those series. Uh, I think that it's all dependent, like the Clippers future is all dependent on if Kawhi Leonard comes back uh, without him coming back. I don't see them having enough firepower. Currently I have the Suns in seven, so I still have, you know, a little bit of hope for the Clippers, but I just think this is going to be CP3's shining moment and at home game. So I don't see them losing at home um, either. And so I don't know what that means as far as they're already up 2-1, um, but they I guess they won the first two games at home. Yeah, I just see the home team winning, them coming back in game seven. And um, I think the, the whole NBA community is kind of rooting for this team, but they do have the best home court advantage in basketball. You got to love Michael Bridges. You got to love what Jay Crowder is bringing to the floor. And um, campaign has done a, a great job in, in, you know, off the bench or even starting for CP3. But I think he shakes off the rust. I mean, you're not doing anything for 11 days ha- coming off COVID. Uh, you you kind of expect that. But you didn't expect it from D-Book. And with the mask, that clearly uh, was messing with him. And um, he's talked to Rip Hamilton about how to play with the mask. And uh, maybe he taps into his inner um, – Kobe, as everyone's comparing them to these days, uh, going forward. Hold on, I got a question for Doc because I actually do kind of respect his basketball opinion. Um, ah, oh no, ah, this wow. just in. That is the only compliment. I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this. Holy moly! 
Uh, Are you drunk? I, was on, I, was, I could be having some Baileys in my coffee. Uh, but I will say this. like uh, I was on another pod, and they were talking about basketball, and they were talking about uh, Tyron Lue. And they were talking about how Lue is a very good coach. I've always been on kind of the other side where I think that he's had the talent, and he has that. But like James talked about with the adjustments and stuff, do you think Lue is a good coach? And do you think he's done a good job with adjustments throughout his career? Or do you think it's more talent? I, I think it's a mix of both. Like you can't deny that he had a Cleveland Cavaliers team that with David Blatt made it to the finals the year before, and they got a little bit lucky with the Draymond Green suspension. I think that kind of changes the narrative a little bit, but I mean, first of all, Doc Rivers, they blew a three, one lead in the second round last year. Couldn't even get to the conference finals. So the talent has been there for the Clippers in years past and in Ty Lue's first year here. This is how they've gotten further than any year with Doc Rivers, with the CP3 era, or with um, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The fact that they've won a game without Kawhi, I think everybody counted them out. He is very good at adjustments, and I think think he's letting them play a little bit more free. We're seeing Paul George doing a lot more isolation. It's been working, though, but I think when he sees that it doesn't, that's when He's not afraid. I mean, they were even going to a little bit of zone this series, which you don't really see too much in the NBA now. Yeah. I think he's uh, one of his great qualities as a coach is he's a master at the right lineups and the right players playing. Uh, Reggie Jackson has been spectacular this playoffs, and um, it, that's a hard decision to make when you have Pat Beverly and you have Rajon Rondo, like who you're going to go with. And he's decided to put Reggie Jackson in the forefront of that lineup, and he's stepped up and played really well to a guy that's really been a very inefficient shooter his entire career is playing and, some really and, good basketball. And, and I think this this is an underrated point. Players want to play for him. Like yeah. and, and we we look at the Luke, Hawks when yep. we look we look at we look at the Hawks this year when they had Lloyd Pierce and Lloyd Pierce literally threw Trey Young under the bus for that foul for like trying to draw fouls and ruining the game. And then Nate McMillan comes in and is like, hey, this is your offense. Take over. And now the Hawks are tied one one in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the players look motivated. I, I think same with Ty Lue. You hear great things about him. People really respect how much time and effort he puts in. So I think that's an underrated point that people don't really talk about. Yeah, in the in the doc and PG thirteen relationship has been documented that it was sour. It was really bad, and you saw the type of performances he was doing last year in the playoffs. And he's looked like a completely different playoff P this year. And I think a lot of that has to do with your head coach believing you and putting you in the right spots and um, just empowering you. And we've seen, like you just pointed out, Nate McMillan empowering Trey Young and and vice versa in that entire Atlanta Hawks team. So we're going to move on unless you guys have something else to talk, chime in on. We're going to move on to that, that, that matchup. And that is the five seated Atlanta Hawks behind the feisty, fiery fireball. That is ice Trey Young. Matched up with the three-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Now are probably the favorite to cut down the nets. Uh, we saw the Hawks take game one. That's They've won game one on the road in every single series. Um, shout out to them because that's just incredible. It's only been done by, I think, three other teams in NBA history. Bucks blow out the Hawks in game number two, locking it up. But uh, Atlanta technically stole home court. In this one, who you got for the Eastern Conference Championship Doc Mendelson. Uh, I said Bucks in five before the series starts, and I have to stick with it. Uh, Trey Young is really good, and believe me, I have been a Hawks fan this entire year. I don't want to say the offense is gimmicky, but it's a little gimmicky. 
And I think if you can figure it out, like the offense runs through Trey Young, like he's a shooter, he's the distributor. If you get the ball out of his hands, nobody on the team, I mean, we saw Kevin Herter have that amazing game seven, but I don't think anybody on that team can consistently create their own shot. That's a lot of people, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, that depend on the high pick and roll and Trey Young to get them the ball for open shots. Clint Capella is once again, a pick and roll kind of guy. I think John Collins is the only other guy that can really create his own shot. So I think if you, if you stop Trey Young, if you body him up a little bit, maybe if you put a longer defender like Middleton or Giannis on him, or even trap him up when he gets after half court, that really slows down Atlanta's offense. And I don't think they have the playmakers to overcome it. So you don't see Atlanta winning another game. Nah. Kev. I, I think they got a little exposed last night in the game uh, that we watched. Uh, I think I think when you saw kind of what happens with I, – I, the thing is Milwaukee is going to do a very good job of kind of shutting down, I think, Trey better than what Philadelphia was able to do. Uh, and I think that they have those those long athletes. They have that ability to kind of defend. And, and you can't take it away that Milwaukee – you know, they came out of that series with the Nets emotionally drained. So that first game, it, you, you saw what happened and the Hawks were ready to go. They, that's one of those games that you just I don't think I don't think the first game is what you need to look at to see, OK, how's this game going to look? How's this series going to play out? I think that second game is more to the median. And then, OK, now let's see if the Hawks can rebound. But I, I man, Trey Young is freaking good, and I love watching him play. Like Doc, Doc was on that. Like he, he, he knows. I, I had my concerns about Trey because of his maturity and stuff. But that dude's just balling, and I love how he just plays the crowd, and he just says "f you." Like I, I've loved him this whole playoffs. Like he's probably been my favorite athlete this whole playoffs. Why couldn't he do this in the regular season? If he had won MVP, I would have won like three thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, there's Doc. There's the Doc we know. <laughs> there we go. Betting, betting Doc Mendelson. Uh, and he's like the people's champ of heart. Like he is a complete showman. Um, I think the the shimmy, he did shake uh, Drew Holiday out of his boots on that play and um, just took his time. And the 48, 11, and 7, it just is absolutely incredible. I think they it, that the fireball gets one more, but I see this uh, over in six uh, in Milwaukee's favor. I think yesterday showed a lot. I think Drew Holiday showed a lot defensively against Trey yesterday and really had a focus of I'm going to put him on shackles, whereas in game one, he's kind of going heads up with him. I think he had 33, 34 points, and um, yesterday he kind of took the onus of I'm going to take this to a whole different defensive level. Also, Chris Middleton shot off. I think he was 6 for 23 in game number one, and then yesterday he kind of came back to normal, and he's been – Really good. I know, Kev, you don't really like him particularly too much, but I think with, with Drew Holiday, it opens up a whole different role for him as because uh, he can really get his own shot, but you don't want that happening a lot over time, and Drew Holiday's kind of decision-making has been better. But, man, you got to tip your hat. Chris Middleton has been really, really good, especially um, against the Brooklyn Nets when they were down. He's a game six and seven performances were off the chart. Yeah. Um, Atlanta got uh, Cam Reddish back yesterday. Uh, they kind of sorely need some wing help because Bogdanovich is dealing with a knee issue and he's hobbling around the court. Like, you know, you got to tip your hat that he's soldiering it out, but he's not his normal self. And of course they lost a DeAndre Hunter for, uh, for the rest of the, of the playoffs. So, 
they, they're just going to have to lean on, on Herter to kind of step up a little bit more. John Collins has been impressive on a contract year. I want to kind of go around. What do you guys think about John Collins' playoffs? Because he hasn't been under the lights, and people question whether he's a winning player or not. And he's been able to play with Capella, and um, it looks like he's, uh, he's due for some money this offseason. Doc, I know you love you love you some John Collins. Yeah, I mean, he fits perfectly in today's NBA. You could put him at the three, four, or five because he can shoot the three ball. He can rebound. He has an inside presence. He took a gamble on himself by turning down a four-year, $90 million extension last year. Says, I think I'm, I'm a max player. And, you know, the, I think the further that teams get in the playoffs, the more exposure they get. And, I mean, he's obviously the number two option to Trey Young. So, good for him. He's going to get paid. Probably not by Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, for me, John Collins is max contract Collins now. Like, I think that's what he's going to do. I think he's played his way into it. And, hey, he bet on himself, right? Like, that, he yeah. did it, and he showed what he was at. Now, I think the question mark for him is will he uh, – Will he be able to take that mass contract and live up to it? I think that's the that's the storyline we watch, and will a team be willing to bet on him? But I think there's going to be some teams out there that see his potential uh, and go there. Uh, and I've seen a lot of different news. Like I've seen the Spurs get thrown out. I've seen a lot of different hey, that's, guys. Maybe that was there. my team before the season started. The Spurs? Yeah, I said the, the Spurs yeah. always build around big men. Tim Duncan, yeah. when he was gone, LaMarcus Aldridge. Like John Collins just fits that mold. I think he does too. And I think that would be kind of that restart of that rebuild. And like when we did the mock draft, if you haven't seen that on YouTube, we talked about getting book night there, having Collins there, book night, a score. Like there's a lot of things they could do with Collins as that versatile piece. I would feel bad. I think like, cause just because Trey young and him clearly have such a good um, relationship, they've kind of grown up in the league together. They have a really good chemistry. Trey young throws it on the glass wherever, wherever John Collins is around. But I've been impressed with John Collins is, um, just defensively, just an effort, just being out there. His ability to hit the three is super important. Um, and his physicality on the boards, he's a better rebounder than I ever gave him credit for, and he really uh, attacks the glass. So uh, it would be a kind of a shame because it's like they, they're finally clicking, but uh, there's only so much money, especially when you pay Bogdanovich and Gallinari so much he did last year. So I don't know if they're going to try to rework all that. He, I think he's restricted so they can match, but I don't know if they have enough money to whoever's going to throw the bank at him. It's about that money, coach. It is about about the money. money. All right. A little plug talk. Wherever you find your podcast, go follow the Triple Play Fantasy franchise. Triple as in our baseball, basketball, and football pods that drop every week. And don't disappoint like Ben Simmons in the fourth quarter of elimination games or at the free throw line. Our Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel is gaining traction with our subscriptions. Our goal is to reach 1,000 by Thanksgiving. We would be thankful for that. We got content dropping every day, including Coach's Corner, Talking Hoops, particularly breaking down the NBA draft prospects. Most recently, Coach Kevin and I did a mock draft of our lottery team, as just mentioned. Movie Minute Reviews with Brad and Johnny, Super Fantasy Bros with Jacob and Kev, Fantasy 15, Sports Arguments in 15 Minutes or Less, Between the Scenes with Marty and Mac, a weekly fantasy baseball show, Monkey Knife Fight Picks, and Fantasy Foodies. You just have to tune in. D-Mindy and the crew eat stuff, they chill out, they invite Field Yates for drinks, uh, so it's just kind of a, a different spin, but it's great content. Check us out. Uh, We got everything you need. We are going to continue to grind and make this podcast the number one pick like Imani Bates in 2023. 
Check us out on Twitter and IG at Fantasy. Most recently, we had number one overall pick, two-time NBA All-Star and current University of Maryland assistant basketball coach Danny Manning as an interview. Thanks again from the entire Triple Play Fantasy family for tuning in. 